Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. The message I have is called, The King Has One More Move. Now for some of you, you may be surprised, I've got a friend and um, he's, he's, <laughs> he's very skilled at chess and he could even be regarded as a master chess player. And he's also very um, interested in art. And one time he rang me up and said, look, my wife can't come to this art exhibition, would you like to come? Well, I'm not much into art, but I do know that when you go to a, a, a rich man's art exhibition, there's always good wine and cheese, and I'm in. So we went to this um, event, and we're walking around this guy's house, just looking at the paintings, and after about a half an hour, my friend stopped at a painting, and he started grumbling, and he started making noises. And before long, there was quite a few people that had gathered around this painting. And soon the guy whose house it was, he turned up, and my friend said, this painting is wrong. The artist's made a mistake. It's named incorrectly. I'd like to show you this painting. This is a painting from the time period where the artists all painted religious themes. So there's an indication there's an angelic presence in the background. And the person on the left has the sort of hallmarks of Satan. He's glaring a little bit and he thinks he's on the win. And the young man on the right, Christian, is looking a little bit forlorn and he feels that things aren't all right. And my friend says, but just look at the chessboard. The painting's called Checkmate. But the king has one more move. The reality in life is that the king always has one more move. If we look into scripture from the beginning to the end, we see examples of the king having one more move. Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Isaac. Jonah and the whale. Daniel in the lion's den, <coughs> Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Moses in the bulrushes, Joseph and his brothers, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, and the one above all, Jesus in the cross. Then in the New Testament we see the ex- stories of Paul's life, 2 Corinthians 11, 12. Three times I was beaten with rods, once pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, I pray that what I share that, that is of my own would disappear and that which is of you would stay behind. Father, I pray that people would have an awareness in times of trial that the king always has one more move. Amen. So in this life we will face trials. It can be sickness, relationships, loss of a loved one. It can be financial. It could be abuse. It 
can be pain. But some of the trials we go through can be actually mountainous. So let's have a look at what Scripture says. God has a plan for our lives. In John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you, have, you will have trouble. Jesus is telling us this. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So God's plan for us is that we are overcomers. Genesis 1.28, God said, Bless them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God's plan for us is that we build into our lives a firm foundation so that when times of trouble come, we will not fall. The story in Luke 6.46-49, the wise and foolish builders were encouraged to build our house upon a rock. God's plan for us is that I'm always, I, will, I am with you always to the very end of the age, Matthew 28, 20. So even in a time of trial, God is with us. God's plan for us is that we seek him and we will find him, Matthew 7, 7. So in times of trial, we seek him still. God's plan for us is that we trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, Proverbs 3, 5. We claim the truths of his word and not the situation that we find ourselves in. In times of trial, we stand on his word. Psalm 103, 2-5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all my, your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Isaiah 53, 5. For he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. You know, many Christians believe part of this, but not all of it. If he died for our sins, he also was wounded for our healing and redeemed us from the pit. Unless God says otherwise, we press in for healing and deliverance in times of trial. We need to ask God, God bold questions. Paul did when he had a thorn in the side. And at all times, but in times of trouble, we need to turn to God and have an expectation of his involvement in helping us to be an overcomer. Even in a time of trial, we stand on his word, we expect in faith his action, we expect his personal intimacy and guidance for the situation that we're in. We need to subdue our minds and make our minds submissive to God's word and repel the attack of the enemy. The power of declaration. Declaration, hearing, subduing the mind. But this morning I want to focus primarily on times of trial in respect to health. <coughs> Some of you may know my story. I've been on a 17-year journey with a cancer diagnosis. My specialist says checkmate, but Jesus says the king has one more move. We have survived these, these last 17 years by trusting his word and leaning in on the body of Christ. Now Stanley talked last week about playtime, about everybody gets to play. We have got through the last 17 years by playing with the body of Christ, playtime, and seeing the power of God move and see the presence of God come in times of trial. If my oncologist was here this, this afternoon, 
he would tell you I'm a stage four lung cancer patient. But I want to tell you, there is no tumours in my body because God has healed me. So when we're in a time of trial, we have to expect a rhema from the Lord, a personal word just for you for that time. In 2006, when I was first diagnosed with lung cancer, the specialist said, you don't realise how lucky you are. We found this tumour is just going to break out of the lung, and if it gets out of the lung, he said, you're dead meat. He said, there's a shadow of death over your life. You need immediate surgery. How about tomorrow? I went home that night and had a chat with the Lord and said, Lord, you've got my interest. And he led me through a number of scriptures, but finally he spoke to me through Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and there's the words of the doctor, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff that comfort me. There's a reality that only in the valley of the shadow of death can some aspects of the presence of God be found. It is there that you truly learn to trust the Lord. So that night, I learned to trust the Lord. I actually had surgery a week later. I had chemo that followed on from the surgery. But after surgery, my daughter was, um, who goes to C3, was at a C3 conference. And the speaker there had been teaching on the prophetic, encouraged everyone to prophesy. And this girl that was next to my daughter turned around to her and said, Psalm 23 verse 4 is special to you. So she burst into tears. When she told me, I burst into tears. Because again, it was a confirmation of God's great love for me. <coughs> they didn't expect me to survive five years. But through leaning in on the body of Christ in playtime, after three and a half years, they declared that I was healed. So for me, the chemo didn't heal me. There's evidence of that. The surgery didn't heal me. There's evidence of that. But God healed me. So for the next five years or so, I just had to put up with the negative talk from people always coming up and saying, how are you? But people don't realise how often they come, the how are you comes from a quite a negative frame point, even from Christians. So in 2016, I was diagnosed with another tumour on the lung. <coughs> and again, the Lord spoke to me through a scripture in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Here's this word shadow again. My diagnosis this season was more severe. After surgery, they hadn't removed all the, all the cancer. I was meant to have radiation straight after chemotherapy, but um, just the day I was meant to start, the day before I was meant to start radiation, I was actually preparing a sermon on Psalm 91, and I'd got to verse 4 and stopped at half past 4 in the afternoon, and at 5 o'clock, radi the um, radiologist rang up and said, oh, your lung tissue's too unstable, We're not, we can't do radiation, it's been cancelled, but it's okay, it's okay. It was meant to be a non-negotiable, but he said the chemo will do its job. Well, verse four, five, sorry, verse four 
of Psalm 91 talks about the arrow that flies through the day. And that day I realised what, what an arrow that flies through the day looks like. It's a radiographer telling you you can't have radiology when that's meant to be the only thing that's going to keep you alive. So you turn and trust in the Lord. In 2018, when I was going to one of my visits with the oncologist, as I was going from the car park into the building at, um, at um, uh, the hospital in Epsom there, I was walking up the ramp and the Lord said, do you trust me? And I said, Lord, I do trust you because nobody else can help me. It's just you. And I went in and the oncologist said, unfortunately it's bad news, you've got two tumours on the spine. We want you to have radio, radio, radiotherapy straight away. Well, I was toying with my mind. The Lord said to trust me. So I had made the decision, I won't have radiotherapy, I'm going to trust the Lord. But, to make sure I'm hearing correctly, I got into playtime. went straight around to a team at Promise Keepers and said, what is God saying? Shall I have radiotherapy or should I not? And they said, you need to have radiotherapy. Now I'm a slow learner, so the next morning was my men's group, so I went to them and asked them the same question, and the guy said, I'll have radiotherapy. So I had radiotherapy, because I heard the Lord clearly in playtime. On my own, relying on my own understanding, I was going to go for no radiotherapy. I understand the radiotherapy came out an amazing result, that where the two tumours were on my spine, they died, and new bone grew in within a month. And they said it was a pretty good result. In 2019, when I went to visit my oncologist, I knew there was something going wrong in my body because the left-hand side of my body was shutting down. I'd stumble a little bit, and I couldn't hold a fork. And for those of you that ride bikes, when I got into a narrow passageway on a bike, I'd fall off. It's quite bizarre. It's riding next minute, you're in the ditch. And he said, oh, bad news. He said, there's two tumours on your brain and there's another tumour on your spine. <coughs> so this was at the beginning of January 2019. When I came to Coast, I had, because I was um, just after 2016, I looked for who are the prayer warriors in this church. And I profiled Peter Mensah. So he'd prayed for me a couple of times. Well, mid-January, Peter rings me up and says, I want to hold a prayer meeting for you. We want to do a court to heaven. And I said, oh, I understand what you're doing, that's fine. So on Sunday afternoon, Peter and Trish Mansour, Dudley, I can't remember his name, and uh, Lynn Bloor came and prayed for me. It was, it was a great prayer time. There was nothing extraordinary about it. The presence of God was there. But near the end of the prayer meeting, Trish said, I've got a word, but I don't want to bring it. So I said, Trish, you've got to bring the word. I've been in prayer meetings with you. You're very accurate with your word. Bring the word. And reluctantly, she brought the word, and she said, it's shadow. <laughs> she cried, really, because here's God speaking to you again. You know, how much he loves you. I started laughing. Because I said, Trish, I know the battle when you're praying for someone that's got cancer and you get the word shadow. It doesn't sound very positive. But for me, this was God saying, I'm here. I'm for you. Now, I can't say anything happened at that prayer meeting. But it was at 3 o'clock on a Sunday 
But three o'clock on the Monday, something happened. I can never explain it. It wasn't a feeling in the normal sense of feelings. It wasn't something I saw in the normal sense I saw. There was just like a, I can only put it down, heaven came down. I rang Peter Mentzer straight away and said, Peter, I believe I've just been healed. I might have been healed yesterday, but the revelation of it's come now. Two weeks later I had another scan and the three, two of the three tumours had disappeared and the big tumour on my brain was just a dot. And the following scan that I had is all gone. And it's been like that ever since. God held, healed me that day. Yes, give him the glory. But I tell you what, it all happened, all these things that I've experienced happened in playtime. You know what Stanley was encouraging everyone to do? When you're in a time of trial, we don't get to play. We carry the burdens secretly. We should bring the burdens to the Lord. If we rely on our own understanding, be a bit like me with my radiotherapy, would make the wrong decision. When you get the body of Christ around you, the Spirit of God starts to speak. Running out of time to sing. three important truths I've learnt over the time period. And the first one is, who said? Our first son was born sick. So this one claps it down. Running out of time. <coughs> he was finally diagnosed as a chronic asthmatic with weak lungs. And this was his life. We'd had him in doctors eons of time, in hospital. We had an automatic entry into hospital with him. When the doctor told us that was a diagnosis, I, that night I was in hospital with my son and I asked the Lord, will we to accept this diagnosis, what the doctor has said? And the Lord said no. Frances was home with her other chi- eldest child. She happened to be praying the same prayer without me knowing about it. We hadn't talked about it. Asked the same question and the Lord said no. So that night we learned a principle in battling healing. You never take ownership of the words of the doctor. Now, the doctors are part of God's healing plan. Don't hear me say anything, but it's what the words, the words of the doctor. So we changed our terminology and we said, our son has an asthma diagnosis. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I said to everyone, I have a cancer diagnosis. If you say, I am an asthmatic, you are proclaiming with your mouth a curse on yourself. Who said is important. God created the world by speaking. Science is proving that the foundational principle of all of creation is sound. No surprise for a Christian. That's why we've got to be very careful about what comes out of here. The second thing we learnt when you get a, a, a diagnosis that's terminal is that you go back into scripture. And my Bible says in Psalm 139.16, Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in the Lamb's Book of Life before one came to be. I have no intention of leaving this earth 
one day earlier or one day later than what God has ordained for me. If he says it's my time to go home, I'm happy with that. So when you're in a situation of a serious diagnosis, you have to ask the Lord, is this my time? Ask him a bold question. He's a big loving father. He'll tell you. If you don't get a clear answer, then the answer is you step into, pr- into healing. Third thing, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's the reality of the world we live in. It's a spiritual battle. And there is a, there is a, there is a spiritual being's that do not want us to live all the days ordained for us in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's part of the battle. And sometimes we have to fight. And we fight by leaning in on the body of Christ, playtime. (coughs) So I have a question for you. When I was going through chemotherapy the first time, I went into a state of neutropenia, which is when your whole immune system collapses. And if you get an infection when you're in that state, you can die within three hours from septicemia. So it's treated pretty seriously. You're rushed into hospital. You're put into a quarantine ward. And I was sitting there in this quarantine ward in perfect peace, in the presence of God, in the valley of the shadow of death. And I said to the Lord, I may be with you in three hours. And I felt in perfect peace. I only felt in perfect peace because I know what Jesus had done for me. So my question for you is if somebody said to you, unfortunately you're going to die in three hours' time, could you sit here this afternoon in perfect peace? Do you know where you're going? And if you don't, leave, don't leave this place without knowing where you'd go if you died in three hours' time. There's a mystery through scripture and I, haven't, I can't get my head through it but in some of the passages of John in John 1.1 1, 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was gone John was, was God. John 17.8 says all I have is yours and all you have is mine. In John 17.20 just as you are in me and I am in you may they also be in us. Verse 24, be, to be with me where I am. This is Jesus and the Father talking. John 16, 13, all that belongs to the Father is mine and he will make it known to you. When you meditate on these scriptures, these deep, deep things of God, there is a, my understanding comes to it, that an authority of the kingdom is passed to us through Jesus. And I see it happening at playtime. In playtime, where there's a gathering of people who believe, led of the Spirit of God, the presence of God turns up, the power of God turns up, authority from heaven comes down. That's why we meant to get into playtime. And if you don't know how to play, that's what Sunday nights at the Wells meant to be all about. Today, I want to pray for anyone that's sick in this place. If you're on a medication, I'd like to suggest to you you're still sick because the medication hasn't healed you. Do you realise that in America where they keep statistics on everything, the fourth biggest killer of people 
is the side effects of medication. So being on medication is not a solution for sickness. Jesus is. We have an enemy that wants to rob, steal, and kill. We press into the Lord. He bore stripes that we would be healed. Thomas, do you want to come up? (coughs) So before we pray, I'd just like to summarize. God is good all the time. I don't believe sickness is of God. God uses doctors in the healing process, and believe it or not, I've heard God speak to me through an unbelieving doctor, and I've told him that. And he's actually told me about these experiences that he has. I came to realize that gifts of the Spirit operate through doctors because they've got a heart to heal people, which is the heart of Jesus. So God, Jesus speaks to them, and they don't even realize it. You listen to what the doctors say as a prayer pointer so you can be specific in your prayer. You have to cut off every negative pronouncement of a doctor spoken over you. All the stuff that's been spoken over me for the last 17 years, I've cut it all off in Jesus' name. I won't ever borrow it. You have an expectancy that God will speak to you in a personal, intimate way. And I have seen that happen time and time again if you have an expectation of it. Be careful of the words that you say proclaim from your voice. Have a vision, an expectation of victory. You're in a battle, you put on the full armour of Christ. There's a promise in Scripture, in James 5 verse 14, that says, Is anyone sick among you that you go to the elders and you ask to be anointed with oil? The scripture says, if you are sick, you go and ask the elder to anoint you with oil so that you may be healed. How many of you practiced or stood on that scripture? We learned that in the early stages with my son. We had a pastor that didn't believe in the healing power of God here on this earth. And we'd take our son to him sick, comatized, put him in his arm, please anoint my son. And while he anointed him, came well. I don't know how he coped with that, but we take him to be anointed with oil all the time. The battlefield is in the mind, and you've got to protect your mind. You've got to proclaim authority over sickness. You've got to be aggressive in creating situations of faith. That's what playtime's all about. And I, I have... I won't say that. You've got to praise God all the time. He dwells in the praises of his people. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A merry heart is good medicine. There you go. That's what you need. Healing is a mystery of God. My son received a miracle of healing, but it was a four-year journey. When he turned four, the doctor said he's off all medication. His x-ray showed that he had a, his lungs were better than most people walking this earth. He never had a cold or any form of sickness until he was 22 years old. This was a kid that was sick, proclaimed to be sick for the rest of his life. But we cut that all off in Jesus' name. I received a miracle in 2019, and I'm still on a journey because my doctor still says I'm a stage four lung cancer patient. I'm waiting for him to come into alignment. He will come into alignment with the word of God. My wife has been waiting 20 years for a healing for her eyes. But we're still believing for it. 
God is not a vending machine. Faith always has an element of mystery to it. The why question, or pain, or loss, should never take us away from him. And God never owes us an explanation for when things don't go the way that we expect them to. Folks, we are God's plan A. There is no plan B. That's what playtime's all about. Playtime is us stepping into plan A to fulfill the purposes of God here on earth. That we can latch into the elements of heaven to bring it down here to earth. Not in who we are, but in what Jesus has done for us. I believe Jesus is here today to heal and to encourage anybody here who's in a time of trial. So if you're desperate for healing this morning, this afternoon, maybe you want to cut off for the first time a diagnosis that's been placed over your life, that you want to change your terminology to say, I'm no longer this, I have a this diagnosis. Are you prepared to cry out to Jesus to heal you? To reach out to touch his garment? So my invite is for if you'd like to be prayed for this morning for healing, to come. To come to Jesus. Well, thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.